Hello, this is David Thompson from the Fraser Valley in British Columbia with a message for all those that are hungry and thirsty for reality, for ultimate meaning and destiny in your lives. This message is about the very source of reality, the very reason for which all things consist and exist, the reason for which you exist, and that is found in an ultimate perfection and manifestation of love which is the very source of love which is who the one true God could only be. To be an ultimate trustworthiness worthy to contain unlimited power, authority and life without using it in a corrupt way or using it in a way that would corrupt God. Obviously because he is God his love is so perfect and ultimate in perfection that he is totally worthy to be who he is. The very source of love and the very source of beauty and of all goodness that ever enlarges in creative pleasures of fellowship with his creation, the myriads of his creation, of human beings, of angels, and many other creations. Now, for those of you that are new, I want to introduce you to my website at ultimatemeaning.com, where there is a flip book that you can read that is very original, writing by the gifting of the Spirit of God through me to you. You'll discover a lot of the print is in red, and those are links to very profound and amazing YouTube videos from many fields of science and archeology span that expose a mastery of deception that would surprise the vast majority of the public. And that point to ultimate meaning and destiny and purpose. Yes, you can have a destiny that is ever enlarging in pleasures of creative fellowship unique to you and your own uniqueness in relation with God and his creation. There is also on that website, when you check it out, a video, which you can see it's a little bit further down. It's the large video that's there. Very obvious, it spans the whole width of the web page. So check that video out. And it will give you a greater understanding as to who the one true God could only possibly be and a lot more. This message is for those who have come to know the one true God, for whom to know is life eternal, as it says in the Bible in John 17. And when I speak these messages, I speak without preparation. What I do is I cast lots to get the possibility of any two chapters. I cast lots before God that God might choose those chapters. And then I meditate on them for half an hour and I speak not knowing like today I really don't know at all what I'm going to speak. I didn't even really get much of a theme that is very specific. I did get a general theme. But before we go into the message and I explain more about how these messages are shared, I want to 
worship with a song, which I choose. And on my other website at loverealize.com, there's a whole long playlist of really high quality worship songs that you can use with an internet connection with your overhead projector if you're in a church service. They all have the words there and the words have great depth and meaning that are displayed, usually with a beautiful background. And you can sing and worship God with congregational worship with beautiful instruments, such as trumpet, violin, flute, and so on. There's probably well over a hundred of them there now. And so that's free to use. If you don't want to use your musicians and you just want to worship by choosing those songs. So the song I've chosen today isn't coming directly from my website, but is one that probably is on there. And so we'll go to that song now and sing it. If I can bring it up. Here we are.
treasure I value, all that thou art is for us. While here in loving remembrance, we share thy wealth glorious. Lord, for God's spiritual Chief cornerstone, both of the Jews and the Gentiles, by thee are built into one. For thou art also the touchstone, brought forth in measureless grace. Hallelujah. treasure of treasures in our heart, the value of value in our lives is the I am that I am, Yahweh, the Almighty's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And of course, that's what is in the original Hebrew. If you read it, the word Yahweh basically means the I am that I am that is separate and above and beyond creation far greater and beyond. How wonderful. And the word Elohim means the Almighty's referring to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And of course, the other aspect of the reason why God is who he is, Almighty, is because he also can be in three personages in order to rule over the three ultimate dimensions of existence. If you're not in personage over a realm or an aspect of existence, really probably the three ultimate aspects of existence is the more accurate term, then you obviously can't rule in or over it. And so it's God the Father, it is beyond creation, seeing the end from the beginning in personage. It's God the Son, the full very expression and only expression of the Father into the time and space realm, into the creation realm that can be in many, many other planes of time, for example, in heaven, which is a far superior dimension than the third physical dimension, and be, as such, simultaneously appearing to many at the same time and yet totally personal on a specific plane of time. And as God, the Holy Spirit, and omnipresence, filling all dimensions of existence, in omnipresence, attached to every particle of existence, released in creative miracles, even to raise all the dead, even if they've been turned to ashes to bring their bodies, their vile bodies that were corrupted back and transform 
into a far superior body than our present bodies. The resurrection body. How wonderful, how glorious. And yes, eventually heaven will conquer the earth and corruption will be destroyed. And eventually there is the total burning of the heavens and the earth as we see them now. And God creates a new heavens and a new earth where we that have been redeemed and saved will dwell, that have been reconciled to this one true eternal God. Now, how do I share these messages? Well, the Word of God says in 1 Peter 4.11, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. And so I will seek to allow God to speak through me. That is what, as believers, genuine Christians, followers of Christ, we are always to seek to do. In the early church, in the very beginning, there was total liberty for each member of the body to be led by the Spirit of God to share the gifts of the Spirit when they came together. They were more conscious of gathering around Christ than the program at the front or just getting into lots of nice, nice, joyful singing right away. No, they came on their faces in awe before God, in the genuine fear of God. They didn't have to ask permission if there was mics back then to use the mic. No, if the Spirit of God moved upon them, they spoke out of a heart set and a mindset of worship. One had a psalm or a song. Another would speak a word of encouragement or a word of exhortation or a prophetic word or a word of knowledge or a testimony. They spoke as the Spirit led them to speak. Now, I've been in a congregation where they allowed that liberty, which is rare to find, but it is what God is calling for, one of the things he's calling for in the last days. Yes. I would sense the Spirit rising up in me, and you do not quench the Spirit when he's rising up in you to speak forth to the congregation. King David said, I did not withhold my righteousness within me, but I shared it freely. Freely you have received. Freely give. And so, maybe you just have a seed thought, but you sense of what you're to say or to sing, but you sense the Spirit rising in you, and you don't worry about what people think or even if it doesn't sound so great. You just love God and become more conscious of him and speak forth as on to him the words that he's wanting to give to the brothers and sisters so that you serve them out of the love of God, out of a pure heart. Oh, sometimes we can mess up and go ahead of God. Or sometimes we're behind God in such a process. But the body comes into greater and greater harmony with the head and with each other as the gifts of the Spirit are stirred up. And he's calling for that in these last days. I've written a book called Godheadship and Body Invasion, which you can purchase on Amazon, which shares everything that you can do in your congregation, suggestions many, to not limit the fullness of the headship of Christ from fully inhabiting your assembly. God wants us, as never before, to not be a body that is asleep in these last days, but awake. Can you not see the impending doom and crisis around us? The impending judgment? Are you going to be asleep and just have church the way you've always had church? 
God is calling us as his people to wake up as individuals and corporately as a body to come under a new order. And that is the order that is under the fullness of the headship of Jesus Christ. And what is that order? It is what I shared, that there is liberty for each member in the body to function. And if they're so used to being passive, to facilitate them functioning, maybe get them all to have a little five-minute sermon. But you facilitate the body functioning. And the other aspect is, is this. Forget about your pre-service prayer meetings that half the time or hardly anyone comes to. Start your church service on the, your face before God and become more conscious of Christ than in your midst than anyone else. Be in awe of whose presence you're in and be sensitized to that presence. And as you are, you will be drawn to pray out one and everyone will agree with the one that prays out as they are being sensing the Spirit telling them to pray out and another will pray out and everyone will agree with them and say amen. Then you come together and you begin to sing and to worship and you allow the gifts of the Spirit to flow freely. And one gives a word here and they discover it was the very word that this person was going to share, the very same theme. And then the pastor is amazed as that was what was in his message that was already given. And I've seen that happen in this church that I've attended in the past. But that was just a little foretaste of what God wants to do in the last days in the body of Christ. He wants his house to be restored, to be a house of prayer and a house of holiness as never before. Now there's another scripture that says in Revelations 19.10, Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When we worship God in great reverence and awe, in spirit and in truth, out of great love for God, we are filled with His Spirit in an overflow beyond ourselves that results in the creative utterances that come forth as the oracles of God, or in other words, in the spirit of prophecy that testifies to the reality of Jesus Christ, that He is indeed God, in which the fullness of God dwells. Do you think God is so limited in his greatness that he cannot come down and condescend to communicate with his creation in human form? Yes, in Jesus Christ dwells the fullness of God, the being of God. His name is Yahweh, the one that appeared to Abraham in Genesis 18, when there was three angels that stood before Abraham as he was at his tent door in the heat of the day. And he said, I want to make a wonderful meal to you in essence. And he did. And they ate. And one of them he addressed as Yahweh, which is this most sacred name for God. And yet I've heard false teaching that Adam was created every bit equal as God was. That is totally wrong. Totally contrary to what the Word of God teaches. Yahweh, that sacred name, means that he is separate and above and beyond us. He is the creator and he is our focus of worship. And how dare we would in any sense say that we have any equality with God, except that we are created in his likeness. And in that sense, we are known as those that he dearly cherishes and loves as his own family. 
brethren. What I want to share here today is what I received by the casting of Lot before God. And I don't do this lightly. And if you think you can do this and just live any old way in your walk with God, and you're not walking in a wholehearted love relationship that is pure and holy with God, or you're not confessing your sin or acknowledging your sin, or you're deceiving yourself to say that God might accept this and might accept that instead of being on the safe side with God. You should be always seeking to know what really pleases him. Do you think God wants you to be deceiving yourself, to be questionable as to whether he is angry with you or not? Yeah, God gets angry at sin. He's very severe even in our own lives if we fall into sin. That doesn't mean he doesn't love us but he hates the sin. And that means that he will put us through trials and that will purge us of those deceptions if we choose to buy of him the gold tried in the fire. But if we say, oh God, I don't want to give up everything in my life, well then who is your God? Is he really your God? Are you really in a place where you have been maybe even in the first page genuinely converted? For those that love God, for those that are born of God, are led by the Spirit of God, not by the manipulative baits of this world. Oh, they may have deception in their lives that at times they falter and get thrown off track like King David and all the others. But we repent and we acknowledge the wrong with great abhorrence and cast it off. We don't justify and deceive ourselves to accept what God abhors. We say like King David, search me and know my heart and see if there be any wicked way in me. So let us go to the passages I received today and I do believe this time I did not get this thing set up right here to show you these passages, but I will try, what I will do is I will just briefly put this here at the moment on pause, one sec here. So here we are with this passage of scripture on Saturday, February the 25th of 2023, I received Jeremiah 31 and Psalms 90. I do admit that I also did receive Leviticus 27, but I just didn't have the time to really perceive what the theme was in that passage. And so I did cast Lot a third time, and these are the two that uh, came together. That happens the odd time. And I think sometimes it's because I'm not as reverent as I should, and I'm a bit hasty, but whatever it is, it's rare. So I want to share with you these two passages here. Jeremiah 31, there's a lot in this. And I have this highlighted in green because I believe that is the, those are the verses that are in common with the other chapter in Psalms 90. So we will begin to recognize the theme as I'm speaking as I've only spent a half an hour on these two passages with no notes. 
in order to facilitate speaking out of a heart set and a mindset of worship. That I may speak as the oracles of God are prophetically. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yes, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Again, I will build thee, and thou shalt be built, O virgin of Israel. Thou shalt again be ordained, adorned with thy tabrets, and shall go forth in the dances of them that make Mary. I must say this is a really an amazing psalm. Pardon me, not psalm, chapter. We continue to read, Thus saith the Lord, Voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping, Rachel weeping for her children, refused to be comforted for her children, because they were not. And we know that that's referring to the time when Herod killed all the children in order to seek <clears throat> to destroy the Messiah, which the wise men told him about. He wanted to be king. He didn't want the threat, and he probably wanted his lineage to be king, and, to, and so he viewed this as a threat and obviously didn't fear God or even acknowledge the word of God, or he would never have sought to do such a thing. Thus saith the Lord, refrain thy voice from weeping, <clears throat> and thine ears from tears, for thy work shall be rewarded, saith Yahweh. And they shall come again from the land of the enemy. And there is hope in thine end, saith the Lord, that thy children shall come again to their own border. Okay. I am sorry for the interruption there. I had someone ring my buzzer that never phoned me or anything that had some, uh, a lady that was too weak to carry her groceries, okay? Um, so I had to drive to her place and help her out. And then there was supper, so this is about five hours later, late in the evening that I'm continuing this message. That's unusual and exceptional that such a thing would happen. And so we continue with this passage here, where we left off, approximately where we left off reading. And it says this, And there is hope in thine end, speaking of those that experienced the loss of their children, whom Herod slew in attempting to eliminate Jesus Christ. There is hope in thine end. And that would even mean for those people that went through such terrible suffering. Yes, it speaks of Israel in a more corporate broad way and over time. But it also means that these people that went through that terrible loss, God would make up in their end for that terrible loss. Many of us experience loss as believers in our lives. I remember when I fell deeply in love with a very beautiful lady, the only one that told me she really wanted to marry me. And, and I loved her deeply, and she was a wonderful, spiritual, wonderful Christian, and I love her to this day. But as things were getting close to that happening, she decided 
to marry this other man that was a great big tall man. Believe me, that was devastating for me. That was a painful thing. Later on, when I was in my walk with God in prayer, I heard the Lord clearly speak to me and say that he was going to make up for that terrible pain and trial I went through and that loss. Probably with another wife in the future, I don't know. But he makes up for it far more than the loss for those that love him whether it's in this life or the next. And we continue on here and we read, I have surely heard Ephraim bemoaning himself thus, thou hast chastened me and I was chastised. As a bullock unaccustomed to the yoke, turn thou me and I shall be turned, for thou art Yahweh, my Almighty's one, referring to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Surely after that I was turned, I repented, and after that I was instructed, I smote upon my thigh, I was ashamed, yea, even confounded, because I did bear the reproach of my youth. Is Ephraim my dear son? Is he a pleasant child? For since I spake against him, I do earnestly remember him still. You know how much it hurts a father to have to discipline a child. He loves that child. But he loves him enough to be faithful, to do what he realizes is really loving him. Remember, agape love is a quality that always chooses the highest lasting good over any more immediate choice that would not be the highest lasting good or any more immediate fulfillment of pleasure to oneself or even to someone else in which you get pleasure. Gape love, the gape love of God has no corruption in it. It is so pure as I said that it is a blazing fire of judgment against all that is contrary. And God so loves us that as his children, when we say to him, that we are willing to let him be the potter and us the clay, he will be faithful to deal with the lumps and the distortions of deception in our lives. And it may be painful to root them out, but in the end, you become a vessel on to honor, fit for the master's use. He says of the church of Laodicea, which was lukewarm, you say you're rich and increase with goods, and you do not know that you're wretched and miserable and blind and poor and naked. I counsel thee to buy me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. Many of those that are very genuine Christians that have been highly verified by medical equipment and doctors to have died, such as Dean Braxton and Dale Black and many others, Randy, I think it is, forget his last name again, so I better not say it. It might be Randy Kaya. I've forgotten for sure. And there are there's a whole list of others. But many of them have shared how they have experienced things 
in that dimension of heaven where God's love was so beyond their comprehension to comprehend that. But one of the things they shared was, I know Dean Braxton shared this, that the Lord told him, I believe it was Dean Braxton, could have been Howard Storm, but the Lord told him that the churches in this hour are becoming one of two things. They're either going towards being a church that has the mindset and the heart set of the church of Laodicea, of which he said, because you are lukewarm, I will spew thee out of my mouth, because you say I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. This is the false teaching that equates godliness with material gain. Does that mean that God doesn't bless his people with material gain like he did Abraham? Of course not. But those that have come to know a love for God and have been weaned and purged from the loves of this world do not find their pleasure in such shallow temporal pleasures as the things of this life. And so when they have wealth and riches, they do not use them to consume upon their own more immediate temporal fulfillments, lusts, but they find their pleasure in using that wealth to minister to the lost, to reach those that are lost, to, to build up the body of Christ, to fulfill the ultimate consummate purpose of God, which is to have a corporate bride that is pure and spotless and blemish at his return, as described in John 17. It is the zeal of God so that he says, as truly as I live, says the Lord, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That is his return. And just around his return, there will be that embrace of the bride, the marriage supper of the Lamb that is described in Isaiah 25. And, of course, in the book of Revelation, chapter, I believe it is, 19. Could be 17, I've forgotten which now. Probably 19. So what is God saying here? There's Ephraim. And in the last days, the nation of Israel, which represents those that are not of the tribe of Judah, the tribe of Ephraim, representing all the other tribes, except Judah. Surely after, and so you see this deep abhorrence for what one has been, so that one has been prey to such temporal titillating lusts that can manipulate your life and that leave you empty. And in the end, you see how empty and vain it all was and how terrible it was and how you affected the lives of others. And of course, many of these life reviews also are amazing that people have when they die. where they experience every single thought. Even their thoughts affected and how they affected people many, many times over. In other words, your thought goes out, it affects this person to think a certain thought and do a certain thing, and that that goes on and on to the tenth person and on and on. Even how their thoughts went like a ripple throughout the whole world, and they see not... Oh, they see every detail of every thought, every word, every deed, all in their 
capacity of intelligence can absorb all this in a moment, in a brief moment of time, the whole panorama of their life and its effect. And for those that are redeemed, there's great sadness when they see all of the things where they had a negative effect and great rejoicing over all the things. And so when they return, they return with all the more the, the desire to love, to love people because they recognize that that is the only thing that is important is relationships of oneness with God out of which there can come lasting eternal relationships out of that love with God to others. As it says in the word of God, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. And so here we see Ephraim with a deep turning of repentance. I repented, and after that I was instructed, I smote upon my thigh. This is what God is saying to the lukewarm Laodicean church of this hour. Repent and choose to buy of God the gold that is tried in the fire. In other words, say to the Lord, I surrender my life to you. I will not hold on to the things of this world anymore. I relinquish them. I choose to let you be the potter over my life to allow me to experience judgment now that you might prepare me for your coming that I might not be judged with the world and lose out for eternity. So, there is a shaking going on in the body of Christ in this hour. And that shaking is going to result in going in one of two directions towards the church of Laodicea and compromise and a, and a church that is an ungodly whore that will be judged, and towards those that are coming out, as it says in the book of Revelations, come out from among them and be separate. Well, actually, it's in another place in the New Testament. It says that. Come out from among them and be separate, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, saith the Lord. But it also says that in Revelations 18 that God is going to call the body of Christ out of this terribly contaminated world system that makes people like birds that are miserable because they're caught in the cage of their own bondage of lust in this world system that makes them like demons that are like birds that are miserable. As described in Revelations 18 towards the beginning of that chapter, you can read it. I'm not going to turn to it. Surely after that I was turned, I repented, and after that I was instructed. I smote upon my thigh. I was ashamed, yea, even confounded, because I did bear the reproach of my youth. Ephraim, my dear son, is he a pleasant child? For since I spake against him, I do earnestly remember him still. Therefore my bowels are troubled for him. I will surely have mercy upon him, saith the Lord. What a picture of the prodigal son coming home. Coming home, coming home, like that old hymn says, never more to roam. And then we come to Psalms 91 to 17. A prayer of Moses, the man of God. 
Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Our place of abode, our place of refuge, of pleasure, of delight, of fellowship, of intimacy. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Probably Elohim, the Almighty's. Sometimes it's Jehovah, or Yahweh is a more accurate word. Thou turnest man to destruction, and sayest, Return, ye children of men, for a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday, when it is past, and as a watch in the night. Now what I want to emphasize here is the similarity between these two chapters. There is the emphasis of time here in this passage. For a thousand years, in God's sight, are just like a flash of time, really. And that we read also in Jeremiah 31 up here. It talks about time. Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. See, it says, God hath appeared of old, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Again, I will build thee, and thou shalt be built, O virgin of Israel. Thou shalt again be ordained, adorned with tabards. God is looking forward to that time when he will see his bride that has come through the process over time of his dealings, of his chastisements. In God's sight, it can be just a flash of time, but it is the dealings that we must go through as those that choose to buy of him the gold tried in the fire. So we read, continuing to read here. Thou art God. Thou carriest them away as with a flood. They are as asleep in the morning. They are like grass which groweth up. In the morning it flourisheth and groweth up. In the evening it is cut down and it withereth. For we are consumed by thine anger and by thy wrath are we troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and teneth. By reason of strength they be fourscore years. Yet is there strength, labor, and sorrow. For it is soon cut off, and we fly away. This again is speaking of the vanity that can come into our lives and entrap us so that our whole life just is consumed in vanity because we refuse to repent. There is a law of reaping and sowing, brothers and sisters. And yes, God's love is so jealous for us. There is children 
and so all-consuming that when we go astray, his dealings can be severe. Yes, he can bring anger. Yes, it is so in the New Testament. Ananias and Sapphira were smitten dead because they lied to the Holy Spirit before the whole congregation, giving themselves the appearance that they were forsaking all of their goods to be part of that body when in fact they were committing a lie. And they were smitten dead. Oh, we see the anger of God in many places in the New Testament. Christ says, don't fear them which destroy the body, but fear him which can destroy both soul and body in hell. I'm just going to turn off a little buzzer here. One moment. And that will be done. We go on in this passage. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Even according to thy fears, so is thy wrath. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts on to wisdom. When we are consumed with the gods of amusement, which are sports, that many people spend hours and hours watching as believers, and they hardly pray. Where are our priorities? The Word of God says we're to redeem the time because the days are evil. Are we going to be among those that have the extra oil because we are caught up in a lavish love relationship with Jesus Christ? Or are we going to go to church and go to the early morning prayer meetings and even for have our times in prayer each day, but not really out of a genuine first love relationship with God, but out of mere religious duty, that somehow that God is pleased because of what we are performing. Have we fallen into a performance mindset like Cain that brought the wrong kind of offering before God, his hard work, his performance? Are we those that are caught up with the all-consuming love of God that is the very source of beauty and of goodness that desires us to know an intimate relationship with him that consumes our desire for the things that are trivial and shallow and are never fulfilling, but are a lying vanity. The word of God says in Jonah, those that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. If we are caught up and mesmerized with the loves of this world, we cannot know godliness. We cannot know a great knowing, intimate relationship with God. We are to redeem the time. In other words, God's created you as a unique, creative person. There are things that can be very enjoyable that God can give you to do that can be fruitful and count for eternity, and he can show you what those things are instead of wasting your time on things that have no purpose or meaning, that are many times the things that are highly esteemed among men, the word of God says, are an abomination in the sight of God. Return, O Lord, how long? And let it repent thee concerning thy servants. O satisfy us early with thy mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us. This is God making up for all the pain and the suffering and the trials that as believers we go through 
and I said in the past message, I pointed out all the patriarchs. They went through trials and suffering. God did bless them with wealth, but they weren't caught up, and their pleasure wasn't in the wealth and in consuming it on their own lusts. When you emphasize that people that are godly are wealthy, you are equating godliness with wealth. Men like Elijah do not show indication that they were wealthy at all, but they were more rich than those that were wealthy materially. There's not even any comparison. It says in the word of God, he's chosen the poor as heirs and as rich in a relationship with God. Because it is the things of this world that make it hard to enter into that narrow way that leads unto life eternal. Isn't it amazing? And I could go on. How many people in this hour, because they have integrity in their hearts before God, lose their jobs and have lost their jobs? because they won't fit into the mold that would be a mold of compromise. God is able, well able, to bring us through the most impossible circumstances when we have a love relationship with him and we learn to trust him through that impossibility of God's provision in my life right now, financially. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm at a crucial point now in time. Maybe I'll have to declare bankruptcy. If that's what God wants, I don't prefer that. I prefer that he does a miracle and he may well do it. How, I don't know. I know with Henry Groover, he was in Denny's and diamonds started falling as he was preaching and in some other meetings. Actual, well, not... Gems, I don't, I think some of them were diamonds, but gems, and he shows them, and he's not a phony. This guy's literally laid down his life many times. Groover's spelled G-R-U-V-E-R. -E Look up Henry Groover on YouTube. He did prayer work, walks around the world. Walks right through Al-Qadi territory. <laughs> I can't go into it, but they catch him, tell him they're going to flay his skin, and then suddenly the presence of God comes down in that cave and they flee in terror. And they tell everyone not to touch this man as he continues his prayer walk, where there's crosses that he sees with people hanging on them with their skin flayed. I never forgot the story of the two Christians that one of the Muslim terrorists saw, and they were on crosses and they were singing hymns to each other, and he was so struck by this. And then he goes and flees to another country and he walks into this meeting and they're singing the very hymn he heard them sing on those two crosses, and he's converted. Oh, hallelujah. The power of God is with us to face any trial and to carry us through on eagle's wings, even as those two people that were martyred singing hymns on the cross as they are about to enter into the kingdom of God. Let thy work appear unto thy servants and thy glory unto their children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands, establish thou it. God is wanting us to know 
that he sees the end of, from the beginning as God the Father, that he has everything in control. When our lives choose to embrace Yahweh, the Almighty's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Well, that's all I have for this message, brothers and sisters. Remember, you can get my book on the afterlife, Afterlife Incredible Irrefutable, Afterlife Incredible Irrefutable on Amazon, and my book, Godheadship and Body Invasion, and what are good suggestions of what we can do in local assemblies to not limit the fullness of the headship of Christ from inhabiting the local assemblies in these last days, that we might fulfill and be in alignment with the zeal of God for his bride. God bless you. Thank you.